Hey, thanks so much for listening to this message. My name is Jason, and I'm one of the ministers here at the Madison Church of Christ. It's our hope and prayer that the teaching from God's Word you hear today will bless your life and draw you closer to Him. If you're ever in the Madison, Alabama area, we'd love for you to worship with us on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.30 a.m. If you have any other questions about the Bible or want to know more about the Madison Church, find us at madisonchurch.org. Be sure to also check out our Bible study podcast, Madison Church of Christ Bible Studies. Thanks again for stopping by. I'm going to trade my earthly home for a better one, bright and fair. Christ left to prepare a mansion for his children in the air. I'll join him in that land where tears no sorrow can be found. And I'll receive my mansion. remember when I learned that song, I was in college, and we sang it a bunch, and then when I got in youth ministry, every conference I went to, it seemed like this was a song that, that we wanted to sing, that we enjoyed uh, singing it, and it was just uh, one of those peppy songs about heaven. Now, we're going we're gonna to sing some more songs here in just a few moments, and some of those songs are a little bit more reflective. Some of them are the kind that you meditate upon, that maybe you just hold on to those words a little bit and let them kind of uh, penetrate your heart, and uh, they're, they're sort of reflective. But then there are songs like this one that talks about this mansion, this robe, and this crown. And so as I think about that, that's one of those songs that, that needs to be peppy, right? It needs to have some rejoicing in it. It needs to have that little pep in it a little bit. And uh, this song has always been awesome to me. 
And I don't know how you see these things, but as I think about heaven and as I anticipate heaven, one of the things that I, that I think we as, as humans hold on to is this concept of things that we can touch and see here on earth. So when I think about mansions, you may love your house, but you envision probably something a little bit different in heaven, right? You probably imagine it you know, on an earthly level, but then maybe just expand it, or maybe it's bigger, or maybe it's nice. And all the things that you have and provisions there in your house today, those things are just magnified in heaven. You may think of it that way. Then again, when we talk about the crown, the, the crown is, you know, sort of, you know, an amazing thing. It, it signifies possession. It can, it, you know, power or reward. Uh, it's the kind of thing that, that we look at and maybe we think of it as accomplishment or, or those kinds of things. And so as we look from earthly eyes, we will see that maybe that crown represents something of our own, you know, accomplishment or reward or the thing. It's like the ultimate promotion, right? And think about the jewels in there and it may represent wealth and a lot of different things. And then I think about the robe, and the robe is sort of a symbol of relaxation, right, of comfort, of rest, of, of maybe just getting that, that ability to just take a moment to take everything all in. And so when I think about heaven, if I'm looking at it from earthly eyes, I'm going to see it in things that I can tangibly see, touch, feel, and I just magnify those things, it seems like. And I think that's part of our challenge in life is that we hold on to stuff here on this earth and we don't think as much about the things that are unseen, the spiritual things. And so as we are talking about anticipating heaven, I just I was thinking about the, the struggles that I know of people in this room. People that are going through loss or have just lost someone. Or maybe they have someone who is on the brink of it. Or maybe it's their age and they recognize just, you know, there's only so many years that you will live. And so when you think about eternity and heaven it draws some people just a little bit closer. And I think this morning, Tony Hoover was talking to us in communion remarks, and he mentioned that the older he gets, the more he longs for, the more he thinks about heaven, the more his mind is resting on that. And so I think about for all of us, no matter where you are, what you're going through or whatever you may be struggling with, we still have this existence of life here on earth that's tangible that we hold on to that leads us to the anticipation of something much better. The trials that we face, the challenges that we go through, those are difficult, right? And when we're new Christians, we, we almost, uh, you know, accept what Jesus has done for us. We in, invite it and we live for it. But then, you know, as time goes by, those difficulties in life make things a little bit more challenging. Uh, it, it reminds me of something that we're going through right now in our family. And I, I asked for his permission so I could do this a little bit. Uh, we're in a season of cross country, okay? Nick runs cross country and you know he's not breaking any any records just yet okay he's young and he's getting into this and he's doing better and better and he's improving and I've watched some of our other kids in the youth group do this and they're all getting better and but I'll never forget Nick's first race and I mentioned this to you guys last year but I'll go ahead and relive it again for you uh we're at Scottsboro there's like 500 kids at this starting line Okay, and they have a gun, and I've got my video. This is our first time to watch our kid do this cross-country thing, and we're excited for him. We're nervous for him, and we see that big pile of people. How in the world will you ever see Nick in the midst of that pile? And, of course, the gun goes off, and that whole big pile of people go racing down through there, and it's just a big herd. Of you just hear footprints and everybody and people screaming their kids' names and everything, and I've got the video, you know, trying to catch everything, and then all of a sudden this one guy spurts out of all that mass, and he's just like way ahead of everybody, and 
guess who it was? It was Nick. And I was like, my kid's a phenom, right? He's, he's, he's amazing. And so for about 90 seconds, he was first place in that race. Now, a few steps later, behind the trees when nobody could see, there was some walking going on. And then, boy, a strong finish at the end. And he went from number one to 182, right? So, uh, you know, when it was all said and done, it, 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 he may not have yielded the exact results he wanted. But what's happening is right now I'm watching him and he's growing in his understanding that it's not a sprint. It's more of a marathon, right? It's more of a lifelong pursuit. And I think about that with regard to us as Christians is we are longing for heaven, and we may think that of it as a sprint, like I've got to do all these things, and I've got to get my life right, and we've got to get everything sorted out and figured out in our life. But ultimately, there are things that come that trip us up that cause challenges in our life, and they make us long for something better. I think that's something we can all connect with. From the Garden of Eden, God gave Adam and Eve this perfect environment. It was heaven on earth. It yielded its crops, and yes, they had to tend and to work the, the garden, but ultimately it, it kind of produced everything. It was a place of provision for them. And, of course, God gave them one rule. They broke that rule. Sin entered into the world, and they got rejected and sent out of the Garden of Eden. And then what? The toil of the soil, the, the struggle that comes from just taking care of things outside of those provisions that God gives us. Yeah, the earth will still yield its fruit, but it's going to be a little more difficult that's life, right? And from that point forward, God was with them in the garden. He was walking with them. And now we ourselves are longing for that time to be in the presence of God as well. So when we think of heaven, I want us to stop thinking about mansions and those kinds of things. I want us to start thinking about being in the presence of God and how that will change everything about how we understand this. So, Jesus is talking to his disciples. They're struggling because he has revealed to them that his time has come. And he's about to be crucified on the cross. And so he says these words to them. He says, you know, let not your heart be troubled. Don't be worried. Have faith in God and have faith in me. And he says this to them as a promise. He says, there are many rooms in my father's house. Again, some translations would say there's mansions. Well, it literally means a, a, an abode, a dwelling place. So not so much mansion in the sense that we see it in earthly eyes, but a dwelling place that's greater than anything you could ever fathom because it's heavenly, because it's where God is. And he says, he's, there are many rooms in my father's house, and I wouldn't tell you this unless it was true, and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And, and after I have done this, I will come back, and I will take you to, with me, and then we will be together. And then he says this, and you know the way to go. Well, I don't know how you guys are. I'm a very like analytical person. I want to know the step-by-step -step process. I want to know exactly what it takes. And, you know, in this moment, Jesus doesn't give them the step-by-step -step process. He just says, you know the way to go. Thomas is just like me. And he said, hey, how do we know exactly where you're going? Where is it that you are going? How do we know to get there? And Jesus answered it this way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me and the way you know. In other words, follow what I've taught you, live for me, and that will lead you to this dwelling place of God forever. So Jesus promised this, that he's preparing a place for us. And that's something for us to be excited about. But then afterwards, they're in Jerusalem. They're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And Jesus has told them to wait there. And as he's talking to them, he, he is rising up off the ground. And it says, it says that uh, while he said this, and they were watching him talking about waiting till that Holy Spirit came. 
says they could not see him. Now, he was raising, raising up or being taken up into a cloud. But as he went up, they kept looking into the sky. And suddenly two men dressed in white clothes were standing there beside them. And they said, why are you men from Galilee standing here looking up into the sky? Jesus has been taken to heaven. Well, if you're one of his followers and you've been told that he's coming back and he's going to take you uh, back up to heaven, then this could be a scary thing, right? But the angels said, no, no, no. He's going to come back. And in the same way you've seen him, he'll go back again. So Jesus promised it, the angels here confirmed it, but then Paul in his letter to the Thessalonians said this, there's coming a day, and I don't want you to be unaware of what's going to happen when, uh, when the Lord returns. This is what's going to happen. When people fall asleep, when they die, this is what happens when the Lord returns. He said, with a loud command and the shout of the chief angel and the blast of God's trumpet, the Lord will return from heaven. Then those who had faith in Christ before they died will be raised to life. Next, all of us who are still alive will be taken up to the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the sky. And from that time on, we will all be with the Lord forever. He said, encourage one another with these words. So there's, what's got to happen is we've got to live our life for God for certain. But there is coming a day when the Lord will return. And when he does, it's going to be an awesome moment. And it'll signify the time where we get that opportunity to be in heaven. So we're going to sing a couple of songs about that great day that Jesus returns. There is coming a day when no
anticipation of that great day, uh, there should be some rejoicing in us. The Bible says that if any man is found in Christ, he is a new creation. And the blessing of that is that Jesus came and died for us. He was buried in that tomb. He was resurrected to a new life. And in that, we have the promise. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it talks about this gospel message that we've been given and how powerful that message is. That the reality that Jesus was raised from the dead gives us the idea and the, the truth and the promise that we ourselves will be raised one day as well. Sometime read 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It is an awesome chapter, and it, it leads and ends with victory. Victory in Jesus because of what he's done for us, we have the promise of heaven, and because of that, there should be great rejoicing. As a Christian, we can have that confidence, and I want us to, to focus on that because I think too often we think about that coming of the Lord and how that's going to be terrifying to some people, and, and it may be, but for those of us who are found in Christ, what I want you to embrace is the confidence that Jesus has done that work in you, forgiven you of your sins, and given you that opportunity to be with God in heaven forever, and that's something to be excited about. Let me share with you some of these passages that, that came to mind. In Psalm 16, it's really probably talking about Jesus as it's a prophecy and, and talking about how God did not allow Jesus to lay in that grave and to remain there, but he resurrected him. He brought him back and from life and put him uh, at his right hand. And so it says, sitting at your right side, I will always be joyful. And certainly if Jesus looking to God and looking for the ability to be there away from this earth and to be in the throne room of God, sitting at his side, certainly we, because of that promise that he gave us, have that same blessing of the joy of that. Listen to the words of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Uh, it says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus from the dead, now we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. In other words, when Jesus comes back, all that we've hoped for, all that we've trusted in, all of that resurrection is there for us to understand. He continues on. So be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. Now, if I could for just a moment, one of the things about this life is that we endure some pretty hostile things at times. I know of people in this room who are going through incredible difficulties. People here may not recognize what it's like to have to sit there and watch vigil as someone is nearing the end of their life. What it means to hold their hand for days on end. What it means to show love to them. What it means internally to, to go through that struggle for someone that you love so deeply. And it's that pain that causes us such misery at times because that is real life. And it is really difficult to go through those things. And sometimes it's just the trials that you're facing. It's, it's a challenge that you didn't anticipate that you're going through. All of those things, understand it through the lens of this passage. It says that these things are to help your faith demonstrate its genuineness. It says it's being tested by fire 
as fire tests and purifies gold, it says, though your faith is far more precious than gold. And it says, when your faith remains uh, strong through those many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. I want to remind us that he's saying, stay in there and continue to fight that fight. Continue to have faith and trust in him as he's helping you through these moments. And then this is my favorite part of this passage. It says, you love him, though you have never seen him. And though you do not see him now, you trust in him. And look at what you receive from this. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. How many of us can think about those happiest moments of our lives? Those moments where joy overtook you and the tears came from your eyes. I remember the birth of my children. I remember my marriage. I remember those times where you're watching your kid play a certain sport and they do something just really amazing and you're just so happy for them and you're so pleased at their attitude or, or what they did and, and you find yourself crying because that joy is kind of bubbling over. I have seen so many of those moments in life and all of you can identify what those are for yourself. But what I'm saying to you is that there is something even greater than that because this is an inexpressible joy, a joy that you've never experienced before, that you don't know how to. You could explain to me what it was like in those moments of your pride and your joy and your happiness, but you cannot express the joy that is to be revealed in eternity. And it says the reward for trusting in him will bring about this salvation of your souls. So not only is there a return, but there is rejoicing. Let's sing a few songs about that. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, he'll prepare us a place when we
joy it'll be. I couldn't help but think about this when we were singing, what a day that will be, and my brother Leon Johnson over there. If you've heard him lead songs here at Madison, that's one of his favorites, and I think when he sings it, it, is, uh, it encourages me because as he's singing it, he's thinking about the place, and that is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. One of the things that we're going to experience beyond the return and the rejoicing is uh, the rest that's going to come from this. And Jesus lets us know early on in his ministry, he said to his people, as they were going through difficult times, he said, hey, if you're tired from carrying heavy burdens, come to me, and I will give you rest. Take the yoke I give you. Put it on your shoulders and learn from me. I am gentle and humble, and you will find rest. And this yoke is easy to bear, and this burden is light. Well, what's he talking about? He's talking about the burdens that we carry with us all the time. I think sometimes we get so caught up in this life, in this world, that the things that we make the most important are the very things that we drag around with us all the time. And sometimes those things can wrap us in sin and keep us uh, away from focusing on God and, and really paralyzed in these things that are of the here and now. And what I think Jesus is trying to do in everything that he does is help us see the unseen. Help us see past this place here and to look toward eternity. And so he's saying the burdens that you have, I'll take them. I can take them. And it's like the passage in Hebrews chapter 12, you know, after that long list of people who were faithful examples. It says, because we have so great a cloud of witnesses, let us do what? Let us lay aside the sin that so easily ensnares us or entangles us. And let us do what? Run with patience. There's that idea again, that race. Run with patience, the race that is set before us, looking to our author and finisher of our faith, and that is Jesus Christ, of course. And what did Jesus do for us? Well, he took on all of our sin and shame, he bore our guilt, and he died on the cross to pay the penalty for mine and your sins. And all he's saying is, let me handle that burden you'll find the life that you live as a Christian is a lighter load. Not because you don't face challenges, but because you have this great relationship with him. He's carrying you through those difficult times. 
I'm reminded of this idea of rest. And there's a passage in Hebrews chapter 4 that talks about the, uh, the children of Israel as they were going into the promised land. And you'll remember God made a promise to Abraham, and he said, I'm going to make a great nation out of your descendants, and I'm going to make them as innumerable as the stars and the sand on the seashore and all those kinds of things. And then, of course, we know what happens. They end up in Egypt in slavery. And all of this, folks, is an image of what God is trying to do for all of us on a very spiritual level. So they go over into this foreign land. They're in this slavery situation. God brings them out with a deliverer and then takes them into the promised land. It's a very image of us and our slavery to sin. And the struggles that we face trying to get through those things. And the wandering that we do on our way to the promised land. And unfortunately, the children of Israel still held on to some things, especially idolatrous behaviors. And because they did that, they went into that land that was promised. The land flowing with milk and honey. That great promised land. And it was not what they hoped it would be. Because it did not actually provide for them the rest that they so longed. But that's not the case in heaven. This passage in Hebrews 4 says this, if Joshua had really given the people rest, there would not be any need for God to talk about another day of rest. But God has promised us a Sabbath when we will rest. And even though it has not yet come on that day, listen to this, God's people will rest from their work just as God rested from his work. We should do our best to enter this place of rest so that none of us will disobey and miss going there as they did. Do you understand what's happening here? is the Hebrew writer is transitioning our thoughts from that very physical thing to a very spiritually minded thing that says, hey, let's live in such a way that we don't miss out on this. Let's free ourselves of these things. Let's lay aside this sin. Let's push all those things away and let's give ourselves fully to the one who can lighten that load for us. Revelation 14, 3, and speaking of people who have died that are in Christ, it says this, they will rest from their hard work and their good deeds follow them. Their reputation, their legacy, the, goods that they, the good things that they've done, those things will follow after them. But guess what God provides for them? Rest. I'm also reminded of E.R. Brandon. For many of you know, uh, even into his 80s, E.R. worked here at the church. And we would have these staff meetings. And we would talk about things and plans for the church. But one of the things that we uh, ultimately enjoyed was when E.R. would pray. And it took us back a little bit as he would pray because the older ER got, as he was praying, his, his messages were not like praying to God from afar. It was like drawing God into the room with you. And he would pray for things. I know this is ridiculous. And it took us so far back. He would pray that God would come and take him in the middle of the night in a heart attack. In our prayers as an office staff. And I was taken back by it to begin with, but then I just would cry, thinking about the perspective, the reality that as he's getting older and he's drawing closer to God, he gets more and more excited, more anticipation for the rest that he's going to receive as a result of the blessings of God and the promises that he's given us. I'm reminded that ER at that point had buried two of his wives. He later would bury his third And when you talk to him, he would just say, I'm just so tired of the pain and suffering here that I just want to lay hold of those promises that God has given me. He understood the rest that God can provide. This passage in Revelation 21 should help us all 
Help us all look forward to this day in the anticipation of something much better than here when it says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. Some of you are going through it. But can I say something? We do not have to fear the coming of the Lord. We can only anticipate it and be excited about it because there are those things and especially the rest. So we're going to sing one song in this section. It's a new song to our church family, but I think it's one that's endeared itself to all of us. And it's called When I Go Home. And I want you to really pay close attention to the words, and I want you to draw strength from them as we sing. In that moment he appears and the No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. What an awesome passage. And you may read that and think that that is just talking about heaven. But in reality, I want you to understand that he's saying that about our life here on earth as well. 
There's so much that we can anticipate even in this life. So many things, even through the tough times, that God is going to bless us and be with us through this. But even more so in eternity. This passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 through the end of the chapter says, he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake so that the grace extends to more and more people that may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So what do we do? Folks, we don't lose heart. Though our outward self is wasting away, and man, we can see that, can't we? Our inner self, that's our spiritual being, is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, meaning they're, they're temporary. But the things that are unseen are eternal. What I want us to all be thinking about is the excitement and the reality of heaven. I think often what happens as a person maybe is ending their, 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 their time and on this earth and their days are, are numbered and the struggle is real and it's painful and it's hard. We often try to clutch on to people and hold on to them. But I just want us to be reminded of this, is that when a person is about to lose their life, when they're found in Christ, this is something to be reminded of, it is the day that they live for. And so can you and I. And we can live with joy right now in Jesus Christ. Heaven is going to be worth every bit of the things that we go through here in this life. And we can have most confidence in the promises of God because of what he's told us. And because of what he's already done through Jesus. So this morning, if you have a need at all, if you need prayers, if you need encouragement, if you need to put on Christ in baptism. And have your sins washed away so you can have that same confidence then I hope you'll do so this morning while together we stand and as we sing. Often I'm hindered on my way. Oh.
Thank you, Brandon, for bringing to our minds what we're all looking for, anticipating in heaven. There are two things for song leaders that they'll not be in heaven. Bottled waters and Hall's cough drops, which I've used much today. Your singing has been wonderful. Thank you so much for the singing, the encouragement, the edification that we bring to one another. And guess what, folks? We're going to do that in heaven. I can't wait. Voices will last forever. Four-part, 12-part, 100-part voices will be there. It's going to be beautiful and wonderful. Let's remember, this world is not our home. We're just passing through. We'll sing one verse of this song, and then we believe in our closing prayer. This world is not my home. I